In today's episode, we have Dr. Tonya. Dr. Tonya is a naturopathic doctor and a mind body healing coach. Dr. Tonya, how are you? I am doing great and I'm happy to chat with you today. Thank you for taking the time to come and gentle touch. Dr. Tonya, tell me about you. Tell me about your journey. Sure, yeah. So I've been in practice as a naturopathic doctor since 2007. And I came to naturopathic medicine because I wanted to find a way of helping people that was deep and sustainable and kind because I'd had a lot of challenges as a kid and teenager with my own health and I just wasn't getting the care and the answers that I was getting that I wanted from western medicine so naturopathic medicine became a way of helping people in a way like I say that was kind and caring and really ensuring lasting changes and I loved being in practice until I didn't anymore. And what had happened was I was becoming more and more dissatisfied and frankly burnt out from practice because what was happening was I would sit with new patients that I would meet and we'd spend an hour or more together and I would go through their whole health history, talk about what their concerns were, talk about what their goals were, and we'd come up with a plan. And it was a good plan. And they'd go away for maybe three weeks or four weeks and they'd come back and they'd say to me, well, this is hard. I can't do this. This is hard. You know, eating with broccoli is hard. Getting enough water is hard. Getting enough movement is hard. Getting enough rest is hard. And I was thinking, what? What do you mean it's hard? Like these things aren't actually hard to do. And what I came to realize, which was a huge turning for me, turning point for me in my own satisfaction and also coming out of burnout was that it's not the decision or sorry, it's not the act of doing these things that's hard, but it's the decision to do that. And it's the decision to wake up every day and take care of ourselves. That's the part that's hard for people. And I became fascinated slash obsessed with this moment in human psychology where we have trouble deciding to take care of ourselves. And I started seeking. I needed to find a way of meeting people in this hard place. And I had a couple of false starts that didn't really turn out to be what I wanted them to be. And then the tools of neuro-linguistic programming, which is a body of knowledge that studies things that work. It studies success. And it offered me the tools to change that decision-making place in the unconscious mind for people so that suddenly they're interested in taking care of themselves. They're worthy of taking care of themselves. They're valuable enough to take care of themselves, deserving enough. And that changed everything. So now when I work with people as a mind-body healing coach, I'm doing just that. I'm working with their unconscious mind to rewire how they're programmed inside so that taking care of themselves is easy so that reaching their health goals is easy and ultimately it's not about health per se we don't get healthy just for the sake of it we're wanting health for something else it's like we want money for something else right we want money to get something else we want health to get something else and it's often deeper relationships it's often you know more adventures it's often being able to be agile and fit and able to you know play with the grandkids or whatever the thing is in life that they want to do that health is required to do so now i've got this great way of working with people that allows them to do all of that 
Wow, what a beautiful journey. When you was working in practice before, was you in a clinical setting or what did that look like before your transition? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in clinical practice. I still am. Actually, we're back in practice now in the last few weeks. Uh, but all my mind-body healing work I do virtually so I can see anyone anywhere in the world because I am a licensed health practitioner. I can only see people in my jurisdiction for naturopathic medicine. Okay, yeah. beautiful. When did you, see, like, did you see, so now we were introduced to neurolinguistics. Did you see a change straight away with the actions, with the choices, with the patterns now that you was able to incorporate it and people say, for example, because what could seem easy peasy, lemon squeezy for us could be extremely hard. Like, you don't have to smoke 40 cigarettes a day. You don't have to binge eat. You don't have to drink a bottle of wine in one go. Like you could take a glass, right? So something that could be so normal for us and be like, we're not doing that could be like, I just don't know how. Yeah. And that you, I mean, you brought up a really important point, which is the behaviors that we're engaging in that are not necessarily the most health affirming, not necessarily the most productive, and probably are covering up some sort of pain. And mm. what the work does in neurolinguistic programming is takes the memory imprint of old, negative, unresolved emotions. It takes the imprint of old traumas, old significant events in our lives, that we just haven't fully processed, we haven't fully healed from, we haven't fully integrated. And that could have been because they happened when we were really young and we didn't actually have the neurological capability yeah. to do that. But there's a pain body there that's then driving our behaviors on autopilot. And where I find a lot of peace and hope is when I fall into, or when I think about one of the main assumptions in neurolinguistic programming, which is every behavior is trying to meet a need. So even those problematic or unhealthy and a, uh, those behaviors, they're trying to do something for us. They're trying to find, you know, help us find peace, find joy, find, find escape, find connection. They're trying to do something for us. And one of the things, once we clear all of that old stuff out of the past, it's like really taking the garbage out to the street so that it can be taken away. Once we do that, we're able to say, well, okay, if I was behaving in this way before, you know, you gave lots of great examples, right? And I was meeting this need of, say, connection or feeling important or, you know, feeling uh, calm, how can I meet those needs in a more productive and healthy way? But we can't just jump there. We have to get the pain out of the body first. And that's my favorite part about NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, is that it does that. It allows the body to not erase the facts of the story, stay the same. That's really important. But our interpretation about what happened changes. The way we see ourselves heals. The way we see the world transforms and this is really in my view true healing a hundred percent because we're uncovering all those layers and we're getting right down to the foundation to the beginning um dr tonya say for example we have an individual and we have two individuals. We have one individual that has made a conscious decision. I'm ready. I'm going to seek Dr. Tonya. We're going to work through this. But then we have another individual that numbs, where it be drugs, where it be back-to-back -back dating, where it be 
but we're not ready, right? We're not ready to to work on our memory imprint. We're, we're just not ready. And what we're doing is just having all these external things like validate us and leave us how can we as a loved one as a partner as a friend support them on their journey until they are ready yeah oh gosh that's because it's so heartbreaking to love these people and care for these people that have a hard time loving and caring for themselves gosh is that ever hard and one of the most disarming questions someone can ask another person is is this what are you hoping to gain by behaving that way and it's like this and there's this truth that they have to face so that's a fairly extreme example but I think as people who are on their own healing journey and they're connected to someone who isn't as far along on that healing journey the compassion and the curiosity is the most important thing keeping in mind that everything they're doing is trying to meet a need there's pain behind it you know that adage like uh, hurt people hurt people yeah and then the flip is true healed people heal people I think as human beings in this world who have to interact with other human beings who have come from who knows what background we just have to assume that everybody has grief everybody's grieving something and everybody has trauma and if we go through the world with that lens hearts open you know you can set the stage for an invitation for someone to maybe consider that there's another way of being in the world so that's a really tricky one that you asked yeah it is it is extremely tricky because sometimes sometimes we can love someone so much but there's only so much we can do, right? Because we could give them all the services and we could like, I could make this podcast right now with Dr. Tonya and put it on all my socials and just blow it up and and even go on each, where it be LinkedIn, where it be Facebook, where it be Instagram. But for that individual to then say, I'm still not ready. Like I, I still don't want to face my traumas. I still don't want to go through it. Then there's only so much you can do and for me it's making peace with the fact that I've done my bit but I can't there's there's only so much I can do from my journey and knowing them that if whenever they want someone as in if they message me and they're like oh I want to meet Dr. Tony I want to speak to her I'll be like 100% here's her website here's her email but making peace with the fact that I've done my bit yeah well exactly and you that's all you can do right you can't force a horse to drink you can lead it to water you can open the door they you know people have to walk through on their own and that can be a really hard thing because a lot of people just really care and they really want people to be well and and we can't take responsibility for other people's journeys we can be responsible for our own minds for our own bodies for our own choices we cannot be responsible it is that is a recipe for burnout if we are trying to be responsible for other people's thoughts, feelings, actions. Whew, that is a ticket to exhaustion. A hundred percent. And it will take a toll. Like the body keeps a score and it will process in so many different ways. And it's just knowing when have you done so much. Dr. Tonya, what is insomnia? Mm. There are a couple types of insomnia. There's the onset insomnia, which is when people have a hard time falling asleep. And these people... They'll go to bed at, say, a reasonable hour. Maybe they're turning their lights out at 10 and they're tossing and turning till 12, 1, 2 in the morning. 
So they're having a hard time falling asleep. And then there is sleep onset insomnia. Sorry, I just said that one. Sleep maintenance. Sorry. <laughs> insomnia. Sleep maintenance insomnia. Is, well, these are the people that fall asleep okay, but they're waking up at one, two, three in the morning and they're up for one to three hours. And then there is sort of an early morning waking insomnia where these people will maybe go to bed at a good time, sleep through, but then they're just up early. Like they're just awake and alert at say 4.30 when you know, maybe it would have been better for them to sleep for another hour and a half or two hours even. So those are kind of the three types. It's very disruptive to our well-being. We do not need to gather any more data about sleep impeding our ability to think, our ability to reason, our ability to be creative, our ability to be calm, our ability to be kind, our ability to release uh, the stress of the day. Sleep is such an integral component to our daily well-being. And I often see people in this loop, in this cycle where, and I call it either the insomnia cycle and or the burnout cycle, it can be both where there's daytime stresses that ramp up to anxiety in some people, some people even panic attacks in extreme examples. The nervous system is off kilter, out of balance, and they have restless sleeps, whether it's any of those three types I described. They wake up fatigued, they're irritable, their ability to tolerate and manage stress goes down and then they just fall right back into the same cycle. So they are just in this loop of like agitation and not recouping rest and lashing out and being angry and just all of these things that make life really obnoxious to deal with. When it comes to um, the two cycles that you mentioned, insomnia cycle and burnout cycle, that sounds dangerous. Is there a way to kind of know our limit and know when to step back or would it be too late and we're already joined in between the two? Yeah, certainly there are deficits that come from sleep deprivation. deprivation. And to be clear, I, I do see them as the same cycle. This sort of inability to tolerate stress that comes out of it is is the burnout piece of it. And that's where we see the, you know, deep exhaustion. But yeah, you know, breaking through is is possible, 100% possible. I want to assure everyone listening and watching that it is 100% possible. And for some people, you know, natural remedies are going to be enough just to sort of regain the balance in their circadian, their daily rhythm. Some people, that's enough. Some people who have deeper stuff going on, as we've been talking about sort of older pain, older traumas, they're going to need to do some sort of neurological reprogramming work. And of course, there's lots of options for that. I've found the most effective to be the tools of NLP. I've been in the healing game for a long time, and this just cuts right to it. In a way where, you know, you mentioned that people are afraid to face their trauma, and I 100% respect that. It's hard to go back and look at those things. And that's one of the things I love about NLP work is that we the work is content free. So you don't have to retell your pain story. I don't know what people are working on and clearing as their coach. We're just doing these wonderful sort of hypnotic, imaginary, visual, felt sense techniques that allows the unconscious mind to just change how it's wired. So I don't even have a clue what people, if they've been, you know, if they were abused at home, if they were, like, I don't know. And and that's wonderful. That's a real gift to people because they're just so used to thinking about or telling their own old pain story. So, you know, going back to your question, like, how do we really break through this cycle? 
A, sometimes we can do this with lifestyle habits, sometimes with remedy, natural remedies. Uh, sometimes information isn't enough. Sometimes we can know a lot of things. We can know every little detail about how the nervous system gets heightened, how it relaxes, and still we are in that loop. And so that's when we need these transformation tools that go deeper into the unconscious. Beautiful. Why? So I feel like now we have, we see so many people suffering from this. Like, yeah. like what, like is why, why, why? It, do you think it's technology or the screen mm. times or just the burnout and the stress or maybe the cost of in, the high, the rise in inflation? Yeah. I mean, it's all the perfect storm. We are growing up with a generation, two, two or three generations behind us that have had a lot of global trauma. And those generations refuse to talk emotionally in any way. I'm speaking so generally here. So then we learn, I mean, I think my Pinch of salt, guys. It's a pinch of salt. We're going to listen to this with an open mind. <laughs> Yeah. And, and we, and so then we're, we're raised to ignore our own feelings and our own emotions. That's a, I think a big part of it. There's a lack of emotional intelligence that we're just not taught as young ones. And then there's just all there, there's a seminal book on this work of how trauma affects our physiology and our day-to-day -day enjoyment, which is by Dr. Gabor Mate. He's a Canadian physician and his book is called The Myth of Normal. Is he the one that interviewed Prince Harry? Uh, or am I, I confusing know. him? I don't know. I'm not sure. So, so G-A-B-O-R? Yeah. Yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same one. Very interesting. Yeah. Cool. I'd be interested in hearing that interview. So, you know, he's shown from conception onwards how maternal traumas, how uh neonatal traumas affect us and and traumas we really need to kind of take trauma from being this big thing these huge events that we would picture being horrifying to to sometimes just the daily thing of not being picked up when you're upset or not being held when you're needing some ten attention and what he's figured out is that we will preferentiate so we will prioritize attachment to our caregiver over our own agency and our own choice and our own autonomy. So we will unconsciously choose to adapt our own behavior so that we get love from our caregiver or get attention from our caregiver. I think this is the root of it. I think that we are unconsciously learning all the time that we're not important. And then put on top of that, all of the stuff you've mentioned in terms of how the world is functioning, you know, cultural norms, monetary stresses, all of that stuff compounded. And we just don't have the internal resources and the tools to manage it all. And it is a lot. It is a lot. It is a lot. Yeah. And I actually don't know about Dr. Gabor's um, work that much. I just saw an interview on diary of a ceo and i got to half of it um and i just thought and then that's where he said i think he mentioned i'm butchering it but he kind of mentioned this also develops into disease yes like yes. say the amount of stress and say for example he gave the examples as females um females are more likely to be on antidepressants because 
the gentlemen don't speak about the traumas they don't speak about um they don't they don't they hold it in so now they offload onto the female and then now they're taking the antidepressants for herself and for their partner and the husband just because we're we're in the situation where we're not taught to speak out we're not taught to to get the help or or it's like okay we're going to carry on with this and until yes. when yes yeah his first i think his first book is called when the body says no and that's that when point until when when the body breaks down and says no and will create disease as a way of saying no a hundred percent wow i need to definitely look into his work he knows yes. so much when um dr tony when it comes to nighttime restlessness for the individual that is suffering from this so some people would go and drink a hot like a like something more soothing or put relaxation or hot milk with honey or or kind of everything what tips would you give someone yeah and i would say screen time is going to be the most important thing to stop and we need to get our faces away from screens, TVs, phones, computers, tablets, all of the screens, two hours before we're going to bed. And ideally that two hours is 8 p.m. So we go to bed at 10 p.m. The routine and the rhythm is really important. Also, stopping caffeine 10 hours before. Ooh, really? This is going to be different for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people just don't do a good job processing caffeine. I like to give the example of my giant husband who's six foot four and. Ooh, he's a big boy. Ooh. Man, I'm five two. It's a ridiculous height difference. That's amazing. <laughs> he's, he's a big dude and he cannot, for the life of him, process caffeine effectively. So if he has coffee, even just at eight in the morning, he'll be up all night. So we have to stop deluding ourselves that coffee is not connected. It is if you're anxious or not sleeping, take coffee out of your life. Your yeah. life will change. Yeah, uh, and that's a great example of you know sometimes lifestyle is all that's is needed to change. Uh, stopping food, I like to say sort of four or five hours before if you can. So no food from say six p.m. onwards and then alcohol like you mentioned I would say not not after three or actually any liquids three hours ahead so there's a sort of these timing points where you can start to nurture yourself in a way that your body's going to be more adept to falling asleep effectively and staying asleep yeah and then I love the idea of herbal teas but I would again keep them in that cut up of three of three hours liquids before a hundred percent and I love the examples you gave and also knowing your body what works for you so I'm from I was raised in London but I grew up in Colombia mm -hmm. and sometimes sometimes I know for example if I'm very anxious I can't drink coffee or give me palpitations yeah. so say for example my mom drinks it dark mm -hmm. and and a full cup and dark and I'm like I can't drink this like I'm going to have palpitations. So I know to mix it with milk and whatever works for someone will not, may not work for you. And that is okay. Yes. It is really a big experiment and you kind of have to play around and find out what works for you. Yeah. Dr. Tonya, I saw the reel um, where you spoke about cortisol and you spoke about melatonin. Mm. Yeah. I, and then also you mentioned GABA. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we... A lot of us know about melatonin, which is our sleep hormone, 
one of the reasons I'm such a proponent of people getting to bed at 10 and turning lights out at 10 is, and ideally falling asleep at 10, is that between 10 and 12 is when our body's going to produce the most amount of melatonin. And melatonin is a lovely hormone that helps us get to sleep. And it has sort of a four to five hour life in the body. So it's not actually the thing that's helping us stay asleep throughout the night. That is related to a different molecule called GABA. And GABA is a neurotransmitter that is very calming. It's an inhibitory neurotransmitter. So it turns nerve cells off essentially. And that is helpful to stay asleep. Interestingly, we can bump up our GABA production through some of these hygiene things that we've just talked about. So some of those timing points is really helpful. But also cortisol is our stress hormone. We need cortisol. We can't live without cortisol. It's what gets us up every day out of bed. It's what helps us go from sitting to standing and, and being able to not pass out. Like cortisol is really important and too much of it long-term is problematic it is a bully hormone. It overrides all other hormones in the body and changes how every other hormone functions. There is one hormone that can override cortisol, which is oxytocin, which is our bonding, <gasps> love, sex, you know, enjoyment hormone. So if we do things like cuddling, touch, and if we don't have access to that kind of stuff, pets, same sort of effect, but even just being in nature, uh, you know, doing activities that feel good, movement, exercise, whatever, all these things are going to kind of support our natural internal pharmacy for regular healthy sleep patterns. And all of that will sort of promote GABA production. I love that. I love the bit that you mentioned about nature. What else could we do in nature? Because sometimes it could be something so simple as mm. listening, sitting down to the bench, taking deep breaths, listening to the sounds of the birds, listening to the sounds yes. of the trees. And this could be so different for everyone. You could maybe ground, take your shoes off or depending on where you're at on your journey, some people are ready to like hug trees or maybe you're not ready like me. So I just very discreetly put my hand on the tree. And um, what else could we do in nature? Those are all great examples and all really crucial. There's this movement that's coming out of Japan called forest bathing, and it's exactly what it sounds like. You go and you sit in nature. It could be a city park. It could be a forest. It could be the beach, but you just go. And when you're there, you don't do anything. So you don't check anything off your to-do list. I call this active rest. And what you're doing is exactly what you described, using your senses to just take it all in. So you're looking around with your eyes, you're listening, there's going to be smells, right? Maybe there's a taste in the air. How does the air feel against your skin? You're just using your senses in a fairly passive way to just take it all in. This is very good for our internal uh, neurochemistry. Do you do <laughs> this, Dr. Tonya? Oh yeah, I actually live in the forest. I, oh, I, yeah. lucky I, you girl, very lucky, very privileged trees all the time yes it's very special there is massive amounts of benefits from just being and connecting with nature if you can have like you know like you say your skin contacting so I like to do a moss walk in the morning once I've done my daily workout I just walk in my backyard on with my bare feet and all year round I live in a climate that thankfully I can kind of do that all year round 
maybe the odd day where there's snow, but we don't get too much snow here. That kind of stuff is just inviting our bodies, which are part of nature, to come back into their normal biorhythms. Very, very powerful. Actually, and, uh, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, this is, so when we say forest bathing and going to the park, like guys, like we need to calm the mind down, right? Because when we talk about the five senses, it's like we need to actually sit down and focus, focus on what you're seeing, focus on your smell, focus on your taste. Because sometimes we think, oh yeah, it's fine. I'll go to the park and have a conference call there and have a meeting right and it's like you you hear it and you take it completely out of context no sit down yeah, and no use your phones no ex- notebooks no buddies unless they're quiet too exactly yeah. so it's just taking the time to calm down the mind calm down the nervous system and maybe five senses is a bit too much maybe you could start with the sound what do you what do you hear and what do you see even if it's yeah. two senses and then slowly build it up to the five senses because it can be a little bit tricky so yes yeah. um yeah as i was sharing earlier there was this there's this book i can't remember the author i think it's dr turner I could have that wrong, but the book is called Radical Remission. And this uh, PhD woman, she traveled all over the world and talked to people who had overcome, survived, and were thriving after cancer. Wow. And she got a list of all of the things that they attributed to them healing. And then she sort of looked at that list and, and figured out what were the most common things. And... One of my favorite examples in the book was exactly what we're talking about, this just being in nature. And if you know, if it's the weather is completely off, like just sit at a window and and watch, you know, that's perfectly fine too. It's like level B, but it's still going to get really good benefits. So anyways, this woman is, is, she'll just sit and she'll just watch the trees and, and her kids came up to her at one point and we're like, mom, like we need, and she's like, not right now mommy's watching the trees and she was so committed to this active rest process for herself that she had set boundaries you know she was able to communicate those boundaries and she attributed a huge part of her healing to that yeah and a hundred percent you need it so so say for example I have my godson my godson is how old is he he's five and he makes me play like he's not one of them young boys that will allow me to sit at the bench he will come up to me and I have to run after him and chase him and actively be present in the moment and play with him so when we're doing touch um or or, or hide and seek I will definitely I have the chance to kind of put my hands on the trees and you you I can feel the difference straight away like I can feel like like okay okay we got this we we got this um Dr. Tonya, I was going to ask how important is a bedtime routine and breaking habits? Because sometimes we have the habit of we're winding down, but we lay down in bed, either watching TV or on our phone. Yeah, yeah mood, all of it. I Routine is so crucial. Our bodies love predictability. Stress happens when thing ca- things catch us off guard or when we are not able to sort of stay in our own rhythms. So the more that we can put our behaviors in place to keep our own rhythms, the better the body's going to be, the better the mind's going to be. So routines are crucial. And like I said earlier, getting screens out of the picture two hours before you're intending to fall asleep, period, and stop. Like 
I mean, you can debate it, but you're just going to prolong your suffering. A hundred percent. And sometimes when we go to places, we will go to, I don't, I don't want to say Ikea, but sometimes we go to Ikea and when we see the ideal bedroom, it may even have, you know, so we, so everything is being shown at us and it's like, we have to go out we have to go out of our way to make the conscious decision to yes. break away from it, right? And it's just taking the baby step because I remember listening to other podcasts and um, I also did an episode on EMF. So it's now knowing, okay, okay, we take a baby step. We're, we're putting on airplane mode while I go to sleep. If I'm not ready to put the phone outside the room, we're going to put it on airplane mode and do the alarm. So whatever is good for you when it comes to uh, dr tonia what is your favorite herb for sleep oh 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 gosh i'm gonna just say ashwagandha withania somniferia is the latin name it is sometimes known as indian ginseng this is one of those herbs that will lower cortisol at nighttime to allow melatonin to allow gaba to kind of come up and and be active at night so that we can rest it is a magical herb in herbology. We call this amphoteric, which it actually can do two functions. It can be energizing. So it's fine to take in the morning for a little bit of a mental energy boost and physical energy boost, but also can be taken in the evening for sleep. So it is just smart and it just knows what we need when we need it. Love that. Beautiful. I saw one of your reels and you mentioned... Um, the, and I thought this was so creative using the universal law of karma to calm your mind down mm, oh that takes me back to some stuff I haven't thought about in a while yes yeah 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 so the universal law of karma because usually it panics us right it's like oh karma's gonna get you and then sometimes yeah. we get so there's no peace to it so obviously when you said use it to go I was like oh Dr. Tonya what are you telling me yeah, okay, this is good. So let me see how I can just best succinctly explain this. So the universal law of karma states that every time we make a choice, take an action, there's going to be some sort of equal and opposite reaction matching the energy from which we acted. So I used to think that karma was this sort of like tit for tat thing. I punch somebody in the face, someone's going to come punch me in the face. Like <laughs> that's actually not what it is. But say if I'm spending my day acting out of obligation or out of resentment or out of fear, I'm going to get more of that back to me. And it may not be in a direct way. Like I may not do something or avoid something because I'm afraid and then um, have something happen with that thing that I avoided. Like it could come from a different avenue in my life. So how do we apply this to our own well-being? We need to take inventory of the actions that we're doing in a day. This is physical actions, not thought decisions. This is choices that we do in our behavior and figure out the energy that drive or is driving that behavior. Then we'll get a sense of the main way that we're, the main energy that we're putting out into the world, which is going to be the main energy that we're getting back. So if you're going through life and you've got this hyper-organized schedule, you're super anxious about your time, you're trying to control every little detail in your life, that sort of anxious energy is going to come 
back to you. You're going to be presented with just more and more things that are going to create that same response. So if, for example, you want peace and you want joy and energy, how can you put a different intention behind your actions so that you get more of that back? When it comes to sleep, obviously we think of what do we want from sleep? We want rest. We want, you know, a reset. We want a restoration. We want energy. So how can, how can I behave in a way that I'm going to nourish my way, nourish myself and restore myself? So how can I go through my day life, not my night life, you know, choosing things that are restoring me? That's, that's sort of it. It's, it's kind of a big topic to, to hash out, but that's, that's the idea of it. There's an energy behind your choice and that energy is going to come back to you. That's the universal law of karma. And that could be in anything. Say, for example, yes. um, we we could go to the gym in the late afternoon to wind ourselves down, preparing us, leading up to bedtime in the evening. And say, for example, sometimes it's very popular to go for cocktails after work, right? It's like knowing... We're going to go to cocktails, but you know, then the consumption of alcohol. And then it's like, okay, if you're good, you'll leave after two. But if you're not good, you're going to continue having five or eight. What is the after effect of now you going back home and the whole, you know, you, you've just disrupted your bedtime routine. You've just, you've just disrupted the peace. Um, yeah. Dr. Tonya, what is your favorite tincture when it comes to sleep, related to sleep? Well, I would put that ashwagandha, that withania in there. I love skullcap as a herb. I love hops. I love catnip. What is that? Is that is that all herbs? Those are all different herbs, yeah. Oh, got yeah. it, got it, got it. Medical botanicals, yeah. Yeah, so I, there's other ones like valerian, but I find a lot of people get quite groggy with valerian, so I don't typically use that with patients. Um, yeah, those would be my main flora with Anya, Skullcap, Hop. Oh, Passiflora, Passionflower would be uh, another one. So there's the top five. With Anya, Passionflower, Skullcap, Hops, and I can't remember the other one I said. Mm, it's there in our recording <laughs> that that's um i have a silly question so so we could usually either use a tincture under the tongue a tea but could we do other things like say for example oil or that wouldn't work sure yeah no oil anything we're putting on our skin about 65 70 percent of that is getting absorbed so yeah definitely like lavender oil would be lovely you know to put on topically that kind of thing yeah and because sometimes they sell they sell sprays as well to put yeah. on your pillow. Would it work as well? Sure. Yep. 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 Those are that's a, a aromatherapy. So you're breathing in the scent of that, and it's going directly into the nervous system, which is which is nice. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, Doctor Tonya. What is your favorite book? Favorite book? Oh, good gravy! I <laughs> okay. Wow, there are so many good books. I. I have a lot of like geeky neuroscience books, which I'm not going to mention. So uh, yes, they're, they're hard to read. They're hard to understand. They're hard to like just comprehend. And you're just like, oh my God, what is going on? I need a crash course to even understand this. Yeah. I think the most accessible book that I love to read and I've read over and over again is called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. 
which uh-huh. is a book about how we create a threshold in our lives of how good we're willing to feel based on like what we've been talking about these past pains in our you know our childhood and whatnot and we have this limit and we have this limit and anytime we go above the limit you know something really amazing happens then we have this sort of sabotage mechanism that has to bring us back down into our comfort zone so something really good and then something catastrophic and we're back down in our pain zone and i find that interesting a really interesting concept because it seems to play out quite accurately in people's lives and it's just a belief system. Like we can break through that. We can we can shed that ceiling. We can shed that something good, something bad happens pattern. Like that's all changeable. But I think it's a really interesting take on on uh, how we go through life. Beautiful. And overall, what is your favorite tincture? Uh, in, in general, it, it could be yeah. anything. Whipping is my favorite herb, hands down, for sure. It's just such a gentle, effective herb that does so many wonderful things in the body. Beautiful. Out of all the information you've consumed, what course or what piece of information would you recommend to a friend? In terms of health and well-being? It could be anything. anything. Okay. <laughs> oh, these are tricky questions. The One Book Millions Method, which is a book that teaches you how to write your own book and then generate business out of it. What's it called? That's good. The One Book Millions Method, yes. The Mike one... Shreves is the author and the leader of that company, yeah. The One Book Millions Method. Beautiful. And if you had a billboard on the side of the highway, what would it say? <laughs> Your body knows how to heal for you. Let it. A hundred percent, yeah. Because sometimes we want to... Our body will always tell us. Our body will always give us whispers. And if we don't listen to those whispers, they get louder. They get louder until boom, you're not expecting it. And you have to take a break. Knowing where you are now, what advice would you give to your younger self? Starting your journey. Oh, girl. Everything's fine. Just keep going. 100%. That's so beautiful. Dr. Tonya, tell me about you. You've written a book. You have your podcast. Tell us about your services. Sure. Yep. So I am a naturopathic doctor for people who live in BC, Canada. I am a mind-body healing coach online for anyone in the world. I take people through a process called a breakthrough where we clear all of this stuff out of the past and then reprogram the mind for what it is that they want. Joy, peace, love, compassion, whatever it is they're trying to build in their, in their selves, in themselves. Uh, I have a book called Breakthrough the Insomnia Cycle, which is a marriage of naturopathic medicine and these ideas from neuro-linguistic programming. And it is a helpful book to help people break through that insomnia and or breakthrough or uh, burnout cycle that we talked about. I have a podcast called The Wonder With Me Podcast. And really the purpose of those micro ramblings are to turn little life moments into big life lessons where we can just really get curious and about how we can leverage the power of our unconscious mind to go back into healing mode so that we can do the things in life that really light us up beautiful and your website tanya t-o-n-i-a winchester.com and your instagram at coach tanya beautiful do you do any courses I do have some, they're typically done sort of live. I have pre-recording or I have, yeah, I have recordings of some of those that I, I sell and offer to. Yeah. Beautiful. And that would be on your website? Yes. Mm-hmm. Nice. Dr. Tonya, I just wanted to say a great big massive thank you. Thank you for taking the time to come on Gentle Touch and for writing a book because by one book, 
it's it's there, right? We do it once and it's there. So anyone that comes across it, anyone that's suffering from it, they could just be able to purchase it. Because sometimes if we do talking, sometimes if we do live seminars, it's like, okay, we will do this live seminar, but the book is, will always be there. So same. thank you so much for taking the time to, it's not easy to write a book. <laughs> it's not easy to stay focused. So thank you and congratulations. Thank you. It was lovely to be here. Oh, thank you so much for taking the time to come on Gentle Touch. Well,